space. Well, not really. Take two. Here, in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best things as the neutral zone. And we are back. You are listening to the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. I am uh, your humble servant, Trek Lord of West Michigan, Charlie Carden, uh, joined as always by uh, my tinkering engineer over in Minnesota uh, on the USS Grand Petoskey, our chapter of the Starfleet International Fan Club. That would be Mr. Richard Davenport. How are you this evening, my friend? Howdy, howdy. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm loving the fact that we're talking about one of my favorite Star Trek movies. So. Absolutely. It's going to be better than what we talked about last week, which Christ. turned into which turned to it was not only a shit show, but it was a green shit show. Yeah, uh, no. If you've not listened to us talking about uh, the Green Lantern Star Trek uh, crossover comic series uh, from 2015 that we talked about last week. Um, but without further ado, this is a, this is a, a merger. We've, we've kind of changed chairs on the seal because Rich does a great podcast uh, with our guest this week. Uh, called Great Disturbances uh, that comes out every Thursday and talks about Star Wars, much like the show that I do with Mark Carabin talks about Star Wars, comes out every other Wednesday. But I have guested on their show twice. We had a rip-roaring good time. Uh, so I'm super excited to have him join us uh, and, and cut up uh, basically the topic this week. Paul Moderman, uh, welcome to the program, man. How the heck are you? Good. Uh, you know what? You can say guest or you can say, um, like, Esteemed Ant- visiting lecturer emeritus. Oh. Kind of I was going to say, is, is, is antichrist somehow the wrong word? <laughs> the things that come out of our mouths, I know it's loathsome. He was in the pre-roll. Paul was like, how would you guys do with the potty mouth? I'm said, man, I don't give a fuck. I don't. I don't. You know, we don't go outrageous, but we also realize that people that would have any interest in Star Trek stuff are usually adults who can handle a bit of the dirty language. So if I ever get a nasty uh, email uh, or uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter message, whatever it is. I guess I will have that uh, to to spike on. But at any rate, without further ado, uh, we are wrapping up talking about the sixth and final Star Trek film that starred the original, honest to God, original series crew, not the Kelvin timeline, which will come much later oh, down Christ. the line. Oh and boy. One- once we get there, that's going to be me and Rich like guns a-blazing. It's going to be like 45 minutes of rock-solid acid vitriol hatred. It's, it's, going to be, it's going to be great. But we have a lot of ground to cover between then and now. But keeping our mind in the present, we are actually today talking about Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Which uh, is released. death. The Undiscovered is, Country is death, guys. Yeah, I noticed that. They, like, they call it the future, and I'm like, guys... In Hamlet, the undiscovered country is death. <laughs> They're it like, you're, ah, dead. Da, 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 yeah. you're getting too, you're getting too technical on me. So this was <laughs> released uh, in the end of 1991. Uh, it was released just scant weeks after the death of Gene Roddenberry, the creator of that's Star Trek, right. who died died in oh, October true. of 1991. And it's really interesting. There was a uh, there was uh, some uh, synergy behind this movie coming out uh, and the uh, season five two parter of Star Trek: The Next Generation called. Unification one and oh, yeah. two, uh, yeah. of which there was a very simple, tasteful, uh, uh, basically title card at the beginning of airing of those episodes that said for Gene, and 
I wish I would have done my homework to tell you what the rest of it was, but it was something that was very poignant. And I was like, oh, and I was, I was in high school. I think it was my sophomore year in high school. Um, so that was, uh, and I was just really getting into my deep, serious, like I'm watching the show every week and I'm taping it. But that was the great two-parter with Spock and, yeah. and, and Discovery season three, there was Unification three, which, uh, which was Michael Burnham who is a, a Spock's foster sister cast into the future actually stands uh, in that episode. If you've not seen it, sorry about the spoiler stands the opportunity that in the 32nd century where they have ended up, uh, it's her responsibility. She takes on the responsibility of bringing the Vulcan Romulan worlds back into the, the fractured Federation. So, but anyway, that's a bird of a different feather. Um, let's get into talking about this film. So, uh, Richie, I'm going to let you jump first. You said uh, off the bat that this was your favorite, one of your favorite Star Trek films. So start talking it to is. me, man. You start talking and, you know, Paul and me will jump in. And we're just going to, yeah. we're going to turn this thing over like a, <laughs> like a burger on the grill. So let's just, let's dance. Oh God. Okay. So where to start with this? I love the Chernobyl allegory. Uh, that is that is this film. Chernobyl is something that has just fascinated me for a long time because of what happened and the cover up and all the other stuff. There's a great miniseries on on HBO Max. Um, even right now, I think you can still watch it. But it's it's very dark. It almost plays like a horror movie um, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's fantastic. But anyway, the there's that. There's the fact that my buddy George Takei got to command a starship and he commanded the Excelsior, which he was drooling over in, I think star Trek four. If I'm not, uh, no, I, no, it, 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 it was at like three. They kind of had to pry him off the screen with a snow shovel. They were like, all right, get back there, Hikaru, get back. He was like, oh, she's supposed to have transport drive. I guess it was a good thing he was sitting down so he didn't have boner, you know, Starfleet boner pants. You know, thank God. Oh, uh, uncomfortable. My- boner, like in class. Sulu Sulu dropped my first because I I love this movie too. Sulu dropped my first nerd nitpick in this movie. Bring it. The nerd the nerd nitpick was he says at the very beginning he's given his captain's log right. And he says we're heading home under full impulse power. Full impulse power makes no sense unless you're already in the system you're going to. No right. Shit. And you oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and you want to yeah. know something else? I, just like Rich, I'm getting the feeling, never really made the connection because it's dumb. He also makes oh. mention of the fact that if they're near to the Klingon homeworld enough that they see this detonation that happens on yeah. uh, that that happens on uh oh god, what Praxis. is the name of Praxis, thank you, Jesus Christ. That no, happens Richard. on Praxis. Oh, okay. <laughs> G- beep, beep, Richie. Um, if they're close enough to watch this detonation, the Klingon homeworld is easily a hundred light years from Starfleet HQ. Yeah. So, so they're they're not they're not going to be dick. It's like saying you're driving uh, 25 miles an hour on the highway. Like, oh, I'm on my way to Detroit. Woo! Yeah, that's not happening. I, I looked. I actually went and looked it up. The original series impulse rating, full impulse is a quarter light speed. Which means, essentially, they are 400 years from home. Holy shit! At good, full good, stra- power. good strategy. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's entirely possible if you want to deep deepen the nitpick that they could have been traveling uh, for that reason because there was you know some engine diagnostic or yeah. some weird bullshit going yeah. on. There's always something. But there's always something. But uh, yeah, so at this point, obviously, Praxis explodes. Uh, they yep. get hit by a shockwave. They're kind of fumbling their way through it, and when it's over, they get this automated total bullshit PR message from 
this <laughs> Klingon general says, you know, he gives you the Han Solo. We're fine. We're all we're fine. fine here now. Fine here. How are you? <laughs> Except That's for the right. how are you? It's the Klingon. Fuck you. Yeah. And yeah. fuck off. Uh, yeah. Or is uh, my two favorite expressions are uh, pick a direction in which to fuck off. Or uh, uh, play a game of hide and go fuck yourself. I love that one too. <laughs> Have a big cup of shut the fuck up. Um, so yeah, so it's uh, Sulu is looking around his bridge. He's like an incident. They said there's been an. He's like an incident. Yeah, yes. Now it's at this point that there's some uh, retconning that happens in the uh, the early season three uh, episode of Star Trek Voyager. Uh, featuring Tuvok, who, as a Vulcan, is obviously much older than a human being, but in the episode he's having these flashbacks, thus that's actually the name of the episode, where he's remembering that he was present during those events uh, as a science-grade ensign uh, on the Excelsior Bridge. Wait, is Tim uh, Russ supposed to be playing Tuvok on the, in this? Because I think... No, he, no he, he's, not, he's not actually in there. He's, okay. They they film footage around it basically you know it's six years later because this oh. is 1991 that episode came out in 1996 so okay. that episode does feature George Takai it features uh you know uh, uh Janice Rand uh who the name of the actress I'm for, I'm having a bad go of it of remembering act, <laughs> actors' names so uh but she's in there and Got then a couple, on that other, one. couple of actors that you see in there so uh but at any rate th- there's a there's a gaffe in that episode where he says two days later. What ha- events that are th- that Spock gets up in the next scene, which we see this Federation Council back on Earth. He says, "Oh, this happened two months ago." Uh, blah blah blah. We're going to go on a diplomatic right. mission. This and that. Yeah. Where in the Voyager episode they say that it was two days ago. So a simple gaffe. Obviously, two months makes a lot more sense for the Klingons to reach out and draft some bullshit and blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah. Diplomatic, uh, you know, dog and pony show, and you know, drop your pants and whatever. Um, and so, yeah, so what Spock does in this next scene is that he obviously uh, <laughs> volunteers Kirk for a job he doesn't want to do, which is uh, Kirk's like, yeah, we're retiring. Oh, we need you to go do this Klingon thing. Fuck! I don't want to do that shit. I know. Um, <laughs> we're, it's, and, I, and I thought to myself, I was like, okay, look, Kirk's a great choice for basically anything, right? But at the same time, it's the we're retiring. His son has a – he has a problem with his son. Right. And the Klingons. His, and his, his, it's, his dead son, yes. His dead son. And it's possibly the most important thing in both the Federation and the Klingon Empire to be happening. It's literally <laughs> two pan panstellar civilizations are are at a crossroads here. And right. and Spock is like, Yeah, let's send the guy who's like Gotta looking at his shoulder. boat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> who's, who's got a picture of his kid on his captain's desk? Oh, Let's send God. him to think. And I, and, I, and like I I get this way because I I like to like make little fun and jokes because I loved I loved this movie I really did. But I was like that was a little bit of a stretch for me in terms of like who's the right guy for the job? <laughs> yeah. Right. Thing, you know. <laughs> who's the right for the job? Literally. Anybody else? Yeah, right. let's yeah. Just, yeah. Let's just let's let's not swing and a miss at this one. Um, I, so, yeah. I do love I do love that that shows it shows it gives us a moment to see Kirk as a flawed. He's always shown as yeah. like oh you know I'm I'm the best of everything and everything seems to work out in my favor, and this shows a big flaw for him racism i mean that's huge that's a little bit yeah and you're right and And somebody somebody with the inability to let go see the bigger picture it's like yeah you know 
a, a Klingon or a band of bad Klingons killed my son. Right, right. But again, you know, and again, that's part of his self. It's the part of his self discovery within this film as we get further on is him realizing to say, you know, Gorkhan had to, the, uh, Gorkhan had to die before I, to see how prejudiced I was. But oh god, did I just give away a twist? Oh, oh um, no, <laughs> but, <laughs> it's only uh, thirty years old. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. So they're throwing him into the mix, um, you know. So they get up to the Enterprise, and uh, this is where things, for me as a purist, really start to unravel on a set decoration oh. and, <laughs> and costuming regard. Because let's let's take a step back and look at Star Trek V. Um, the movie sucked. Do we have to? Do we have? We to? we we. we, we <laughs> I mean, uh, it was it was myself and my former co-host Alex. Uh, that had Todd Oxra on, and we really we, we cut that movie up. It was trash. Um, but that Enterprise, which is the same ship, very clean look, had a very sleek bridge, and everything was touchscreen and looked so great, whatever it is. And the corridors were a very very like practically unmolested redress of the TNG corridor set, yeah. um, and which which in and of itself was actually created for Star Trek The Motion Picture, so our predecessor to this film by about, you know, 12 years. This film, they decided to, they redid the bridge, which, you know, it, it seems like redoing a bridge is not a big deal, because if you ever look at a Starfleet ship, the bridges are modular. So you can imagine the workbee would come along, it would pluck the bridge up, it would be like pulling a house off its foundations, and just moving, and then plopping a new one on it, like it was, like it was a mobile home. Right, the, right, bridge right. Is, the bridge is a mobile home. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> what doesn't make sense is when they get into the corridors and shit, they are completely fucked around. They built little corners on them. They have little uh, you know, drop decks like on a submarine where they open and close. And there's yeah. just a lot of weird bullshit going on below decks on the ship that is like, this is supposed to be like five or six years after Star Trek V, and the inside of the ship is just completely screwed around. It makes yeah. zero, makes zero sense. I I actually read a little bit about that. There was a <clears throat> and some of the and so if you if you look at the engineering when you're seeing the warp core and that kind of stuff, right? If you if you like slow it down and watch real closely, you can if you if you have TNG fresh in your head, mm-hmm. you can see shots that you're like, I think I'm looking at a TNG set, which you are Right, because it, budget constraints, they use TNG sets for this film. So, like the the warp core was very clearly the same warp core they use in TNG. Oh, without then, a doubt. Like, <laughs> and then some of the some of the the glass plating and things like that are very clearly TNG right. vintage things too, right? Right. Um, yeah. And and that part of it is whatever. That I yeah. I no, feel like fine. I feel like they either did that or it was very similar to what it looked like in Star Trek V. It's just those corridors where it was still the TNG corridor, but they just like, it's like, like the show Portlandia, put a bird on it. They yeah. just slapped <laughs> some extra shit on it. Yeah. And it was like, now it looks totally, it's just like, but nothing is more egregious to me personally than when you meet Lieutenant Valeris, because I am this is, this is very well known that okay. I, I am a, I am a cosplayer. I'm a very serious Star Trek cosplayer. I make no bones about it. My uniforms are, uh, extremely accurate uh they're to the letter uh i do not have shiny rank pips i do not have shiny com badges uh if i if i do a photo shoot it is with era appropriate props i just i don't fuck around it's it's something that's important to me so when you see lieutenant valeris she is wearing the the female version of the monster maroon with the skirt which you see uhura in she is wearing uh gray which is 
communications or operations mm-hmm. of which she's sitting at the helm. So she wouldn't be wearing that. Mm-hmm. Now that is featured on her cuff and it's featured on the clasp. And Ritz is very familiar with this because he did uh, the, the piece of art that we did with, uh, with Indonesian artist yeah. DJ wind of the, all of us in these monster marine uniforms, Rich was on there. He was the engineering officer in gold. Mm-hmm. When Sulu sat at the helm of the enterprise, he wore gold. She should be wearing gold. Yeah. But the bigger problem is, is that she's wearing a red turtleneck undershirt, indicating that she is a cadet. Yeah. And she is wearing a rank badge of a lieutenant commander. <laughs> so you got these three colossal fuck ups that this movie has been out for thirty years, and it still gives me a twitch anytime I watch it because it's just <laughs> so that and the fact that she looks like she's wearing a wig because she has no she has no hair in her temple. I, it's all kinds of bad stuff. It's yeah. three three costuming errors that to me seems like they have a guy or lady on set who's responsible for this kind of thing. Yeah. And again, this is me at the depths of my nitpicky nerd bullshit. But again, <laughs> it's something that's important to me that it just it just really pulled me out of it. Now I didn't see any yeah. cast I didn't see any other costume errors in the film, thank God. And she was the she was the one new uh, important pivotal Starfleet related character in yeah. the film. Yeah. Besides the the Admiralty, the Admiral guy, and the Admiral guys were interesting. They they added some cool flourishes. They gave them you know like decorations on their uniforms, and they gave them different sashes and dits and dots. And as you know, guys who are in the international fan club like Rich and I, there are volumes written about that kind of thing for you know uniforms for Starfleet Marine Corps and blah blah blah. That's a whole that's a bird of a different feather. But the the uniform just abortion that is Lieutenant Polaris. <laughs> Is really a problem for me. I'm not going to lie. It's it's a big uniform abortion. You know, okay. we're, we're, we're going to get emails. So anyway, moving yeah. on. So 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 here's my problem with Lieutenant Valeris is she was supposed to be Savic. Yes. And to me, that makes a whole and that makes this movie a whole a totally different film. It makes yes. this movie a totally different film. It's just like the character. Um, I don't know if you guys have watched the Godfather films. But in the second Godfather film, you've got this character, Frankie Five Angels, right? Frank uh, Frank Pentangeli. He is actually supposed to be Clemenza. He's supposed to betray the family, not Frankie Five Angels. Clemenza was supposed to, but they couldn't get the actor back, so they changed the character. Exactly the exact, same scenario. The yeah. exact same thing here, and it drives me nuts, because what we could have <laughs> had was a great arc of right. Savick being like Spock's, you know, Prize okay. student, yeah, and which is exactly what they made Valeris. She was right. a, yeah. she was a, she was a Kmart version of Savick. Uh, yeah. It's it sucked because yeah. yeah, same thing. And the Savick is that was a, a troublesome character. He was it was a Kirstie Alley in Star Trek Two. Uh, between Star Trek Two and Star Trek Three, she hit it big with mm-hmm. Cheers. Okay, right. so she didn't she didn't want to come back or couldn't come back. So they snagged actress Robin Curtis, who I think did a spectacular job she did. in that yeah. film. My, per, my Star Trek three being my personal favorite, oh, nice. um, and then a very brief appearance, obviously, in Star Trek four, which a cut uh, script line and a and, and a cut shot when when you watch the bird of play bird of prey fly away. Savick was supposed to be pregnant with Spock's child. What? Yep. Oh, really? So an absolutely what, deleted. What we could have had. What we could have had, but Holy yeah, you're hell. absolutely right. I never, and thank you for putting in that perspective because you're right. They took something that could have been his prize student. Uh, they they shared so much together. I mean, you know that she mm-hmm. she had to help him through. You're looking at my air quotes. Help him through his pond fire, the Genesis Planet. Yeah. 
which means they had sex. It was the only way to save his life. Which is how um, she got knocked up. Oh, my God. It's all right. Exactly. Uh, it's all connected. Exactly. <laughs> but then at the end of it, she betrays him uh, a few years later over this issue. You know, so, yeah, Valeris is like she's super random, um, yeah. you know, and, and they, they spend a good piece of the arc trying to build up her credibility like oh she's trying to help the she's trying to help the crew get to the mystery of you know who really committed the MacGuffin, which of course is you know once our crew meets up with the the klingons and they have like the most awkward fucking dinner party you can imagine <laughs> and kirk, kirk says one of my favorite lines after they beam away he's like i'm gonna go sleep this off please let me know if there's some other way we can screw up tonight <laughs> which is how i've ended many first dates at least talking about <laughs> you know they did a nice they did a nice mirror of this dinner scene in um star trek uh discovery in the second season or when yes. no, beginning of the third, third season, season when they got yeah, yeah. When they got to the future and like everybody's having like has has this trauma of having left behind everything that they know to be, you know, shunted into the future and everybody's dealing with it in different ways. And they, you know, they just kind of pay homage, I think, to this dinner scene, which I think is fantastic. But no, I know I totally agree. But yeah. So after the awkward dinner scene uh, in the middle of the night or whatever, um, two uh, assassins in spacesuits beam over to the Klingon ship. They start shooting it up. They kill Gorkon, who is the peace envoy. Uh, Kirk and Spock beam over to rescue him. General Chang, who is the you know second in command Klingon, accuses them of orchestrating the murder. Uh, they, they don't Shakus! have any. Shakus! <laughs> That's exactly how he did it in an That's how I did it. I was like, wow, Christopher Plummer really killing it with the multiple bits there. Laid it down. So at any rate, they uh, you know, they 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 take them into custody. There's a there's a pony trial at the end. And in, in in the in between, and this is where I know that Rich and I uh, watched the director's cut of this film, Paul. I don't know if you uh, if you you know viewed this again or just watched the your you you, you look quiz. I, d- I got whatever was on YouTube to rent. So okay, I don't think it was the director's cut. Probably the theatrical cut. There's a nice bit uh, in between. Kirk getting taken away and the trial where uh, you have uh, the two Starfleet admirals. So you have uh, Brock Peters uh, portraying the, I'm having a bad time with names again, Admiral Cartwright, Cartwright. Admiral Cartwright. Yeah. Good Lord. And then uh, you have uh, <laughs> actor Leon Russom, uh, who is the Starfleet uh, commander in chief uh, pitching to the president, who is the amazing Kurtwood Smith. Uh, I was going to, I was going to ask you guys. Has, <laughs> so I like my other Star Trek film, uh, stuff is like way in the past in my head. Okay. Has the president of the Federation shown up in other films? Star Trek four. Four. He, yeah. but it was, it was a different actor, Hiram Roth, portrayed the same? a different character. Different. Okay. Character. So he's, the second question I have. Just, second question I have is, he's not a human, right? Is he some other species? He is an Ephrosian. Okay. Uh, is the name of the race, and I believe I read something. I think not in conjunction with watching this again that. Uh, I, it's because I was watching the DVD special edition. Rich and I were talking about this with the text commentary on, and oh. so there, there's text commentary on that DVD by Michael and Denise Okuda, who are the masterminds of uh, so much of the the smaller uh, uh, set decoration and visual work that's done on the show. And, and, they and wrote, writers they, of all the technical guides. They've too. written all oh the, they wrote uh. the the TNG tech guide, the Jeez. DS9 tech guide. Mm-hmm. The, you know, so, but they said that uh, the reason he wears those little skinny glasses is because he is blind, and that lets him see. Okay. Okay. So I thought that was an interesting twist. But something yeah. else you may not have ca- uh, caught, you know, and Paul, to your point of talking about uh, the engineering set on the Enterprise, yeah. President's office, which is located in Paris, France, is ten forward. 
Oh, with, really? With Kurt. I didn't catch that. Holy nice. crap. Yeah, That's 10 awesome. forward curtains. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a, a Place de Concorde in France. Uh, in Paris, France is is the Federation I'm, headquarters. I'm 100% going back to that scene after we're done here and looking at that. Absolutely Definitely. correct. I got you. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's 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 agreed in the scene uh, that they've kind of got to let the trial go forward, less that they go into they're going to go you know nuts to butts, uh, full war. <laughs> the, the the reason that I bring uh, I bring the director's uh, cut into this is that um, uh, in the director's cut uh, they walk in um, a, a a colonel. They the men they refer to as colonel, which could be a canon reference to the Starfleet Marine Corps which as far as the fan club I actually I actually am a, a the officer in charge of our local brigade in, in Michigan and in Canada for the fan club so the Starfleet Marine Corps is of interest to me but it's often been considered to be non-canon because you don't necessarily see it on screen except a little bit in Star Trek 5 but that's a whole different topic he's referred to he's referred to as colonel though he wears the rank of, of an admiral but it's played by actor Rene Aubuchonois who is two years later Odo on DS9 uh, and he goes over this. This is our attack plan, and blah blah blah. That scene and another scene closer to the end of the film were cut. So for, in the theatrical version of this film, you never see the actor or his role, which is a bummer because he was great. He was Colonel yeah. West, which was a riff on obviously Colonel Ali North <laughs> from the eighties and and nice. you know the, the Iran Contra scandal. So, uh, but at any rate, yeah. So from here we're we're moving on. We see the show trial uh, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Christopher Plummer is, he's a wicked-ass cruel lawyer. He's going to town, yeah. he's hammering away. like, that guy, that, I was like, I I had forgotten how much I enjoyed his performance yeah. in this film. This was like, this was so, he was so great as, like, menacing, but, like, at the same time, calculated menacing, right? He was, yeah. it, 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 oh, man, so, Christopher Plummer, wherever you are in the universe now. Well done. Well done. Thank, sir. We thank you for your service. So yes. yeah. unsurprisingly, Kirk and Spock get, get the shaft. Yeah. Uh, and instead of getting sentenced to death, they get sent into this Klingon uh, penal asteroid Rurapente, which is frozen wasteland. That's kind of a bummer, except for the fact that model Iman is there. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, yeah, it's like, boy, yoing, yoing, yoing. she's like, I can totally get you out of here. Uh, you know, you got to come with me, blah, blah, blah. And she ends up making out with Kirk and McCoy's got a great line. What is it with it's you like, anyway? Is, yeah, I know. I thought that was so good. <laughs> what was that? A Murphy has that old routine where he says, you know, I love Star Trek as a kid, but I could never get into Captain Kirk. And he would fuck anything. He's a green chick. She's got to be something wrong with the pussy, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yes. Sorry. He kicks the he kicks the alien the guy in the knees and his knees are his balls. Yeah. Right? right, that was that was so great. Oh. Right, which which is yes, which is what I without without qualification I titled this episode. That's not his knee. <laughs> <laughs> like that oh. seems like a that seems like a, just a bad placement for that because yeah, what if you got to kneel down to pick something up? Yeah. <laughs> ah, my nuts. Yeah, and there's a rock there. You think, <laughs> it hurts when, you think it hurts when you kneel on a rock? Oh, baby. Also, you know, why did why did it take McCoy this long to finally ask Kirk, what is it with you? <laughs> with yeah, I know, right? It seems like, like it's one of those, like, hey, it's the first movie, or it's the right. last movie. Why doesn't somebody just come out and say what we've all been thinking for years? Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. 
So, yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, the inev- inevitably, you know, our, obviously, Iman helps our people escape, but Kirk figures out that she's dirty. She's also a shapeshifter, so she turns into Kirk, and they're slugging it out. And there's a lot of great lines in this one, like, I can't believe I kissed you. Must have been your lifelong ambition, the doppelganger says back to him. And I'm like, she's not wrong. Not wrong. Yeah. So, they wrestle about, and obviously, our people escape. They're back on the ship. You know, they're kind of getting a vibe that this is a setup because the guy, the, the Klingon, you know, jailer who catches up to him saying, well, the, it basically indicates that this whole thing is a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we come to find out once we're back on the Enterprise is what, guys? Valeris is helping with the whole thing. Yeah. No, come yeah. on. How, oh, how could it possibly totally, have been her? It's like if 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 they if the Brady Bunch had done this, nobody would have liked Cousin Oliver at all, right? Cousin Cousin Oliver is in cahoots with the Klingons, right? (laughs) Cousin Oliver is a surgically altered Klingon. That's right. I I solved it. There you go. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So they're able to uncover uh, that uh, she's obviously in cahoots. Uh, so, then- so I have a I have a thing here with the uncovering. Again, this is my uh, once again I'm nitpicking a movie I love here. Please, here's, no, I, here's, please. My, here's my thing with the 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 Spock and company like getting things figured out. I feel like it was like th- there was there was all of one scene where they're like, hey, what happened? Oh, I know, a cloaked bird of prey fired the torpedoes. Yeah, yeah. like I was like. <laughs> It shouldn't it take a I like I would have preferred that to take a little bit longer to figure out to do search some more logs whatever that kind of thing versus like the amount of time that they spend looking for boots and clothes and things like that right <laughs> I've yeah. got to find some boots yeah right yeah. It, it, it just yeah. to me to me it rang is like whoa that was like a little too like logic was a little too suspect there mm-hmm. in terms of like, it must've been a cloaked vessel that fired like, blup, there we go. Next please. Right. A little too on the nose. No, I agree with you there. I, so I had, I had another problem with this when, when they, after they figured it out and they go to find Valeris and they try to figure out who all's involved. Yes. I, I, I think I know where you're going. Yeah. We just watched an enterprise episode where something very similar happened, but not yes. for the same reasons, but right. Spock basically mind rapes her, right? Like totally violates oh. her to get. Well, and, yeah. And she, he forces her, he holds the back of her head. Yes. She screams mm-hmm. and it's like, it's it, it's 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 waterboard tor- torture mind rape. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, uh, well, we need the information so the ends justify the means. And now picture that as Savick. Yeah, exactly. Right. Holy fuck. Oh, right. <laughs> A character that we come to, we came to really endure over the course mm-hmm. of you know, like two and two and a tenth of two, two and one tenth of a movie right, you know, right. that, that, that we really liked her very much. So yeah, yeah, you know, that, that bothers me. It did bother me to, to, to your point. It bothers me more thinking about that, you know, season one episode of enterprise fusion that we, that we talked yeah. about on the show a couple of, of episodes back um, is that the ends can't justify the means. But again, the Vulcan mind meld was, uh, was uh, created uh, by the, you know, the probably Gene Roddenberry himself in the first season of TOS, uh, as a way to get around a long, boring interrogation scene, because Spock can just go, bloop, okay, well, all right. Uh, and the, the 
the the key in the wizard to the map is in the yeah, cloak. Right. And <laughs> right. so in a way they go. So they don't have to they don't have to dick around trying to figure out what the hell's going on. So yeah, that was I wouldn't say that was super copacetic, but yeah. um but anyway, they have the information. They reach out to Sulu, and Sulu is just fucking flying around in a circle for the rest of this movie. Because besides the totally fact that, but besides the fact that uh, Christian Slater uh, knocked on his door late at night and said, "Yeah, the Starfleet is wondering what's going on," and he's like, "Ah, fuck off! I'm sleeping. God damn it!" Yeah, yeah. that was yeah, Slater, that was Chris, that, that was Christian Slater. And I read this was in the text commentary that um, the reason Christian Slater shows up in this movie is that I never made the connection. His mother is a casting giant in Star Trek, Mary Jo Slater. Mm. Thus, oh. that, 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 thus, that's why he's included. So I had seen her name for years and stuff. Certainly, yeah. it's not Slater's a super uncommon name, so yeah. I would right. never have made uh, yeah. any kind of connection. But yeah, there you go. So, um, so <laughs> wow. anyway, yeah. So at this point, the Enterprise and uh, the Excelsior, they're warping towards uh, Camp Kittimer, which is, again, uh, something else that will come up in later parlance. Uh, yeah. Later on, in Star Trek is being very pivotal uh, to Star Trek. Oh, not to mention, I'm sorry, I can't skim right over this during the trial scene. The uh, defense attorney for Kirk and McCoy is oh, yeah. Colonel Worf, Worf's grandfather, obviously yeah. played by Michael Dorn. Great yeah. role. You never see him yeah. kick any ass, unfortunately. He's yeah. a lawyer, which Klingon lawyers. I mean, do they go? <laughs> kick, do they go kick ass on the weekends? Is it like? I know. Is it like being well, in the National Guard? I have no idea. Seems like yeah. the most unclingon thing ever to be a lawyer, right? Well, see, right. Yeah. I mean, Chang is both general and lawyer, so he's general yeah. lawyer, yeah. and he's a cyclops because he's and, just got yeah. the one eye. That's right. <laughs> and let's face it, he fares a lot better than he did in the stupid Green Lantern thing that oh, we read. Because I, oh god, we don't we don't want to talk about that, Paul. Look, if you've not if you not yeah. listened to how we sliced up this Kelvin Universe Green Lantern thing, I haven't yet. I Go back I, I, and listen I to it. I flagged that episode, but I haven't listened to it yet. So. It is it is it is forty five minutes of groan worthy us going. <laughs> what the fuck is that? What the hell's going on? <laughs> um. So anyway, yeah. So you know, they, they're on their way to Colonel. Uh, they're they're on their way to Kittimer. Uh, you flash forward to it. It's a a big conference. But you know what they found out from Valeris that uh, Admiral Cartwright, uh, plus obviously Chang, who we knew was dirty. Uh, and then the the skeevy Romulan, uh, who we saw oh, in yeah. the president's office, they're the three main dudes in this conspiracy. They're all yeah. working together to make sure that the successor to the dead chancellor, which is his daughter, is also assassinated. Obviously, the uh, the, the Federation uh, would be implicated, and there would be full-scale war. Or, or yeah. essentially, the peace treaty wouldn't happen. So, you know, Sulu and Kirk, they're warping towards it. Chang in his, you know... Uh, can fire when they're cloaked. Uh, Warbird is on the same way. And then this results in, you know, kind of one of my very favorite suspenseful, like, uh, uh, space shootouts that they have in Star Trek because it's kind of like the hunt for Red October, which yeah. came, which came out the year before. It's very like, oh, you can't see the enemy. It's space. You know, they're shooting at me, but as soon as they shoot, they disappear again. And so it's very cat and mouse. This also features one of my absolute uh, favorite uh, visual effects, and again, everything back in, in the early 90s being done with practical effects of the Enterprise uh, coming out of warp into, Paul, as you said, impulse power, and then yeah. whipping in, just whipping forward in a distance towards uh, the Kittimer planet. I thought right. it was absolutely beautiful. I just, yeah, one, one really of my was. absolute fa- favorite shots. But yeah, once they get there, there's a lot of cat and mouse. Excelsior hasn't shown up yet. Yeah. Um, 
you know, that cat and mouse thing made me think of the nebula, uh, stuff from star Trek two. Right. Yeah. The Mutant where, nebula. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so have you guys, Reliance and all that you guys, you guys have seen like you go to hospitals or sometimes like warehouses and you have the button that's like, push the button to open the door. Yeah. Right. right. And it sometimes yeah. it's like covered in grime or whatever, whatever totally. kind of thing. Right. That, that is what I thought whenever, whenever Chang would be like fire, and the Klingon guy would like just Click. push the yeah. just would push the one button <laughs> the fi- yeah the on fire the wall. button is like this two is, thirds like, of the way up on the yeah. wall and he has just, to he has to reach around and hit it with his thumb it's he like he has to like slap it and he's like yeah. okay yeah, here goes torpedo you right it's like it was like the that that's easy button right yeah <laughs> fire which, torpedos which, that was easy which I which I and, and then I was like you know what a Klingon would have like an easy button for torpedoes right yeah well, they do yeah. everything you know their their main job is to be out stabbing and killing motherfuckers yeah. they don't have buttons and, like, <laughs> and, and also apparently like cleaning their ships either yeah because like they're so where's grimy the, where's the honor in having a janitor <laughs> well what Klingons get, unless they have a robot that does it, and that's a little bit more Star Wars which I know is yours yeah. what you know unless they had droids. That would clean their shit. You think a, it's like Klingons are also famous for not bathing. They smell horrible, you know, <laughs> which was which is always my uh, my rub with like fantasy, uh, you know, Middle Ages stuff that Todd and I argue about. I said, oh, everybody looks like they friggin stink. He said, nobody showers. So if everybody stinks, nobody stinks. Right. So when Kling, Klingons are around, it's just it's not a big deal. It's the way it smells. Um, it's the way it smells. Ed, so. Oddly enough, at that at Trek conventions, whenever anybody is dressed up as a Klingon, they probably they probably smell accurate too. Right, <laughs> I, I I can imagine it probably doesn't have anything to do with prosthetics. Um, <laughs> but at any rate, you know, it's a great space battle. But obviously, uh, yeah. in the end, the Enterprise uh, figures out how to track in. Uh, that, and that the the, tor- the the shot of the torpedo like winding its way around yeah. and then finding the bridge of the th- that was great i loved that hot stuff i love it yeah so there's shakespeare, a big, too. yeah and and he's spouting off shakespeare yeah. exactly so a better in the original klingon so um <laughs> so in the in the end of it uh obviously uh kirk and and gang beam down uh they stop an assassination attempt at the very last minute uh this is back in the special edition when it cuts in the assassin who gets Shot by uh, gets shot by Scotty who pops in behind yeah. him, zaps him with a phaser, and, he, and the, the assassin dead falls through a window and, and splashes <laughs> on the below. Uh, when they reach out, they pull a mask off of the assassin who appears to be a Klingon, and it's it's Colonel West. Yeah. Oh. So he was he was yeah. the last conspirator. So they, um, okay. So my my problem with this is they send Scotty to run up the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> Scotty's got my body type. There's no running up the stairs. And if I did, I'd probably be at the door going, stop, stop right there. I thought I brought a gun. <laughs> Fortunately, my gun's not out of breath. Yeah. Why didn't they just beam Scotty to the top of the stairs? Wouldn't that be okay. better? Brilliant, right? Uh, who knows? Gotcha. So, oh, my goodness. So, um, naturally, Kurt gets to come in and make a speech. To say, hey, I was a prejudiced asshole, but we got to move forward with stuff. And then the Klingon female chancellor says, oh, I love you. I love you. And I, they almost look like they would have a hug. Maybe he banged her later. I don't know. We're talking to it's Captain Kirk. It's Kirk. Could be. It's Kirk. But anyway, then all is well. Uh, and the Enterprise is flying away. And they're like, blah, blah, blah. We just got a message that said a report home to be decommissioned. And the Spock turns around and says, I believe if I were human, the proper response would be go to hell. Go to hell. It goes dun, <laughs> dun, 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 if I were human. Right. 
And then Kirk says the absolute fantastic. Uh, Chekhov says heading, sir. And Kirk says, play us away, boys. On the morning. And it's beautiful. And they yeah. uh, they fly into a sun and all die because they. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why this is the last movie. And then they and then they crafted what was then wrapped into Endgame, the famous like all the actors signed their names and stuff. And, yeah. and that, and that, you know, Kirk has a beautiful, you know, this is our last voyage and yada, yada, handing things on, uh, to, uh, he said, comes very close to saying the next generation. It's like, come on, bruv. Right. That's a yeah. little on the nose. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, but the, and then roll credits. So that, um, that's a, that, like I said, an absolute to me, an absolute whiz bang, uh, way to end 25 years. Cause this was, this to come out in 1991, which is the 25th, anniversary of the original series now we're not talking about 25 consistent years of sure, you know entertainment because yeah. it was 66 to 69 animated series was on in 1973 we jumped that forward. entertainment yeah oh my god yeah eventually rich and i are going to have to talk about the animated series and it's going to fucking hurt is all i'm going <laughs> to say um but th- that's coming up very soon so you know bend over and get the lube because coming some- soon to a butthole uh, near you yes exactly <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, then there were movies in, uh, 79, uh, 82, 84, 86, 89, and then 91. So that was the, it was the end of 25 years. And then, you know, TNG had started in 87. So, um, it was a great way to end it. Uh, obviously we uncovered some things that we all hated. Mind rape, terrible costume mistakes. What the hell do they do with the sets? Um, but all those famous looking past it and letting go of the nitpicks that, that looking Paul at, obviously has. Yeah, looking past the nitpicks, I, for me, this was like, first of all, Leonard Nimoy fingerprints all over the place, right? Yeah, oh yeah. EP, story credits, that kind of stuff, right? Great stuff from Spock. Spock gets some of the meatiest stuff here too. And for me, some of the most memorable and meaningful things are, I mean, of course, Spock and Kirk, right? Spock, Spock says to to Kim Cattrall's character, which is great because it's, it's an evolution of the, the, the pure logic onto whatever he says. Logic is the beginning of wisdom, not the end. I love right. that. That line. was a, that was a great bit. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and then, and then it, 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 like the, 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 the sense of finality and closing things off was, I think, accentuated well by Kirk too, because of that. He had several various places of saying things like, if there's to be a brave new world, our generation is going to have the hardest time living in it. True, true. And then he asks if people are afraid of the future. And then he, he admits that he had grown accustomed to his own hatred. Yep. He was afraid of there not being a neutral zone, right? This was, this was a great way for Kirk's character to realize he's old and kind of getting maybe mired down in his ways. And it's the right time to hand off to the people who want new and better things and what a way to do it. I just, I loved this flick. I really did. Interesting because that kind of applies to today, right? I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff going on right now. The older generation is just not okay with, and they've got to come to terms with it. Yeah. But yeah, I love this flick. I I do. This is second only to star Trek two for me. Um, wrath of Khan is always probably going to be my favorite Trek (laughs) flick. Um, but and oddly enough, directed by Nicholas Meyer, same, 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 right? But I think the the thing that I like about this is that it gives this, like you guys have said, a more fitting ending. 
yeah. then and and it does kind of what the Rocky series did in that Rocky Five suck balls and yeah. Star Trek Five suck balls. Rocky Balboa, while not a perfect film, was an okay, a good ending to an arc, a good ending right. to a series yeah. of films. True. And True. Star Trek Six is a good ending to a to a to yeah. a twenty five year journey for exactly. these guys. It, yep. it, it, it's, it, sent, it sent them off in a way that was um, that was certainly just uh, incorrect. So I love it, you know. And again, you know, we can pick apart a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but I think they did uh, some really great stuff. So I'm definitely right. definitely right. very happy with it. So well, cool. I, All right, I, I gotta go I just gotta say one more thing. I teared up in the theater watching this when I was a kid. Back, I must have been 17 years old. Must have been at that point watching right. this movie in theaters. Mm, I, I, at the end of this movie, I was like. Oh my guys are gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember that with my friend group too. This was a, this was a big like, you know, they yeah, they're really gone because even though we went on to see many of these characters again, we obviously saw uh we saw Captain Kirk meet his demise in Star Trek 7, which would be Generations first one with TNG. Uh we saw uh, we already uh saw a Bones as an old man in the first episode of TNG. We see Spock in the two-parter uh of uh, you know, TNG that we were talking about before. Scotty <laughs> returns in a single episode of, of season 6 of TNG. That's right. And then Sulu, we saw him in the Voyager flashback episode we were talking about. It's only Chekhov and Uhura that we don't end up seeing again. Right. Um, so that yeah that you know that's not bad that's you know that's five out of seven uh, that we that we get yeah. another another story out of or before or something so sounds uh, like yeah. a sequel to a meatloaf song five out of seven five right? out of seven <laughs> eight <laughs> okay, I love meatloaf Are you kidding me all right moving on uh, so that was fun stuff so uh, moving on a couple of new stories this week about uh, up and coming shows now uh, Rich tell me if I'm not reading this headline wrong John Delancey reveals. He's shooting two seasons worth of a very different Q. Now that is that is very interesting to me because when I thought, oh, Q's going to appear in season two of Picard, which is filming right now, and we're expecting to get probably this time next year, if I was to hazard a guess, or, or in early 2022, mm-hmm. um, that when you say he's doing a guest shot, I thought about like how Seven of Nine was in season one of. Uh, Picard, and she was here and there, but she wasn't in six episodes of a ten-episode season, and then potentially looking forward to a third season of yeah. the show that he's also going to be in. I mean, and again, I, I, I kind of voiced my concern several weeks ago that tonally looking at what Picard is like, and again, you've not yet watched Picard, is that right, Rich? I've seen the first episode now. So Okay, very look at that. We're moving in a good direction. I'm moving into it, yep. And Paul, what about you? Where do you stand with No, I'm I'm, I'm in the same place as Rich. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, tonally that episode, that, that season was very dark. Uh, it was clearly uh, very arc based. So they had a single story uh, that it followed through that seemed very rooted, uh, in things that just didn't really lend themselves to Hugh being a part of. Um, so to that tonally shifting, you feel like season two would be extremely different. Um, but it also right. seems like if six of 10 episodes are going to have Q is, it's going to be really wild and out that's, there doing a yeah. lot of crazy different that's shit because crazy. Well, it is because if you think about uh, TNG, we had uh, two episodes with Q in season one, uh, including his first appearance, one in one in season two, one in season three, one in four. We skipped him in five. We got two episodes in six. So that caught him up. Then he came back for the finale. So that's yeah. seven. That's seven. This is right the, there. this is the thing with, with characters like Q and to me, 
not 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 in terms of tone, but in terms of like weightiness. Q has a Darth Vader like effect for me, which is yes. to say, the more you use Q, the greater chance you take of wrecking the character. Well, and you right? guys, that's more with yeah. Q. You guys have been talking ad nauseum on Great Disturbances yeah. about the 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 star the Darth yeah. Vader comics, which yeah. I got to be honest with you, I've had kind of the same like. Even just the way they've trotted out Anakin, and yeah. just even in the prequels, which was 20 yeah. years ago, it's like Darth Vader was cool. Well, here he is as a whiny little fucking teenage <laughs> yeah. upstart that you'd love to backhand because Wreck he's obnoxious. Yeah. yeah, you know, you absolutely, you know, oh, do you love Boba Fett? Well, here he is as a dipshit clone little kid. Yeah. It's, so, it's, just, it's just, it's very unnecessary. So, yeah. So, I will, I will be excited to see Q, but I will be also be watchful for mm-hmm. Wrecking yeah. Q. I, yeah. I'm I'm very cautious, and again, I, I'm maintaining um, my level of skepticism um, that it's really going to fit uh, mm-hmm. into what they've done. But they could, for all I know, just be going in an absolute different direction, and this might totally fit the bill. So I don't know. So I, Paul, I'm with you. We're going to look and we're going to see, uh, you know, kind of how that fits. So Rich, Rich, Definitely. what do you think? Rich, what are you thinking? I, I, I'm I'm with Paul on this one. I think Q is one of those characters that the the more the more mystery you have with him, the more appealing he is. And yeah. the longer the longer the exposure to him, the less appealing he is. I think. And and again, not from a not from a performance perspective or anything like that. Oh, but gosh. like, there's less there's less of a there's less of a weight to it if you. It's like if you have cake every day. Your birthday's not special. There's no you know. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? So yeah, I'm with I'm I'm right with you guys on that. Excellent, very good. Well, that's some interesting news. This is some bummer news, but this yeah. is right up there with um with something that I've heard uh, in relation to Ontario in general and Toronto specifically. Uh, I was gonna say, Rich will know that uh, in our region, our regional director, uh, uh, Rob L uh, lives in uh, lives north of Toronto. Um, so he talks to us a lot about Ontario and kind of what's going on there. They are in horrible shape with vaccines right now. I was just talking to Rob earlier today. Uh, Ont- Ontario is in total lockdown. They do not have enough vaccines to go around. Uh, it's, I mean, it's horrible. And, and I consider myself so lucky. I was able to get both of my doses uh, three weeks apart. I had both of them in the month of April, so I'm done now. And yep, it was just this just this week. I'm done. My, yeah, it, two weeks it, out from my second dose. And here in Grand Rapids, it was phenomenally well run. We have a large convention center where our, actually our local Comic Con is held. Uh, that when I went for my second d- dose, everything was being run by active duty military personnel. It was just rock, rock solid. It was great. But sounds like in uh, in Ontario they're really struggling. Uh, and this is reflected by the fact that uh, Star Trek Discovery, which again films uh, at Elstree Studios in Toronto, uh, is on a temporary pause of production due to uh, on- offset. COVID context. So thank God not, mm-hmm. you know, thank God not onset where it could be certainly much more, excuse me, certainly much more dangerous. Um, but yeah, production was salted, uh, was, was halted, uh, due to a zone, a individual coming in contact with someone who tested positive for COVID-19 earlier in the week. So zone, a referring, uh, or defining as a key cast or production member in direct contact with them. So, yes. um, yeah, so I, th- th- I do yeah, like that. I do like that. They, uh, put, Disco goes on break as the uh, subtitle for this article, by the way. Right. But if only they, the 70s had listened to us in the future. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Would you ra- are you saying you would have re- rather had Disco have a break and then come back, or are you just glad it died? That'd be like a like a Ross and Rachel break, maybe. Uh, right. We were on a break. Exactly. Oh my goodness. So yeah, I mean the city, and again, you know, uh, Rob, who is our fleet captain in our in, in our region in the fan club, uh, has let me know that in his town they they are locked down. Um, so that is, um, you know, thank God they're being safe. Uh, it's a bummer. Um, but then again, uh, we've had, you know, 14 months of bummer living around the world. Uh, so this is, you know, we did get, uh, we did get, you know, obviously a great season three. Uh, and it says, according to Deadline, uh, Discovery season four is expected to premiere in Q4 of 2021, which was my prediction, uh, which is great because after uh, we get the August premiere of Lower Decks, our show is going to convert to talking about that show and then we'll probably segue right into talking about discovery so if you're not caught up definitely get caught up but this this is smart i'm always glad to see uh that people are taking this kind of stuff seriously because you know COVID is no joke our country uh you know here in the usa which is where i would guess a lot of our listeners are you know there's a lot of people that don't take it seriously Mm. uh and, and end up paying the price so trust me i always took it seriously i still wear i was out and about today i still wear my mask when i'm in stores because that's their requirement but even if it wasn't i actually for the first time ever i had to walk into michael's i was picking up some picture frames and the young lady who i was facing was wearing her mask not on her nose, but over her mouth, which is referred to as a nose dick, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> For the first time ever, because I had to address her to pick up my order, I said, please fix your mask. Mm. And she looked at me like she didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. <laughs> That's terrifying to me when an adult, anyone, does not know how breathing works. Oh, yeah. But but here we are. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox uh, about that. Um, but just gotta uh, say, Charlie, everybody reaches that moment. All of us who, you know, are following along with this, we all reach that moment where we're, where we've had enough and we're just going to, we got to say something. You can snap on somebody. Yeah, I, I, you know. I, I understand. Well, gosh, with the end of that, uh, with that, that is, that is actually kind of the end of our show. Uh, before I let Rich do his thing and take us out, Paul, thanks for joining us. My goodness. I Absolutely. love, I love your guy show. I listen to it every Thursday. I've been privileged to be on your show twice. Uh, I definitely look forward uh, to being back on. Uh, hopefully one of the news stories we broke over on Secret Friends the other week where they might be rolling out uh, that Star Wars Detours animated series from 2012. Yeah. Would that yeah. have, that's something the three of us could have a good time with. I'm just Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. We, 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 we've had a good Trek record so far. But thank you for joining us. Great Disturbances yeah. is obviously available anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, you guys are, while not a sister to uh, podcast and secret friends, you're more of a like second cousin that you might make <laughs> up with if you're drunk enough. I don't know, something like that. Um, but we we are grateful, and you are. This was fantastic. You are welcome back any and every time. Oh, loved it, guys. Really did. Thank you so much. Good stuff, awesome. Richard. Richard, do your thing. I'll do my thing. Uh, for more information about Starfleet International in Michigan and beyond, please visit USS Grand Petoskey or and or USS Nomad on Facebook. The Code 47 podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network and is produced by Todd Oxtra. Oh, yeah, our little buddy. Oh, uh, Todd. <laughs> oh, yeah. Friends, thank you, as always, for joining us. Uh, you can find us over on Twitter, at Secret Friends U. And, of course, we are part of a wonderful podcasting network comprising of this program, Code 47, comes out every Monday, where we talk about Star Trek. Uh, we do the Holocron Chronicles, which is... I know another Star Star Wars <laughs> podcast that comes out every other Wednesday. That would be myself. 
uh, and Mark Carabin, the Canardian, uh, talking about Star Wars. Uh, you find Secret Friends Prime, uh, seven years running, your guide to the geek side, your kind of general interest uh, geek culture Greek culture podcast uh, every Friday, and then on the opposing Wednesday you get co uh, you get the co op mode, which is Mark and Todd uh, talking about video games, which is not where I live, so that's why they have that thing happen. But they do a great job. Uh, rate us uh, and give us a review on the podcasting uh, service of your choice. Definitely helps the show's visibility. Uh, we have also a uh, matching uh, audio stream over on YouTube. Um, but also, you know, it wouldn't be a show if we didn't have merchandise. We are over on <laughs> T Public. Search us out for Secret Friends Unite. If you enjoy T-shirts, hoodies, swags, coffee mugs, stickers, etc., uh, proceeds of that do actually benefit uh, get, keeping the show going and different new and fun ideas that we have. So, gentlemen, thank you again. Listeners, thank you again. I'm going to tell you as always that sharing is caring, and to keep on trekking. Thanks, everybody. And uh, don't forget, second star to the right and straight on till morning. 